Well, good morning, wherever you're tuning in, whether online or one of our locations. Uh, welcome to First. If you don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm uh, the Urbana location pastor, and I'm happy, to, happy and honored to be giving to you part or week two of our new sermon series, When at Home. Home is one of those places that's vital and important for all of us, but often it, it gets the least amount of our attention with all the information out there on how to improve and work on that. Home is just one of those things that there's not a lot of practical wisdom and advice for. And so that's the heart behind this message is we just want to arm you with some some tools to help improve one of the places that that is very foundational to us all. Now, before you check, or so last week we talked about, or Pastor Eric and Diana talked about marriage. And this week, I get the honor of talking to you about parenting. Now, before you check me out and wonder what does the, uh, that may, maybe I don't have kids, what, what could this sermon possibly have to do with me? I want to I challenge you. One is, if you're in here today and you're not a believer, uh, first of all, we're glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, one of the things that made me convinced uh, to move from unbelief to belief was the fact that God's ways work. A lot of people get out of debt by simply following uh, God's way of handling money. And so hopefully you can glean something from this parenting. The second thing is, you know, if you're a believer in here, not only are you called when you say, I believe in Jesus and I'm his follower, that you're connecting to God, but you're connecting to a family. So with that, you know, you get brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, and it can get weird just like your family, but that's just all part of the deal. So I want to illustrate what I'm talking about by talking about a young guy named Timothy. Timothy's in the Bible. He, he's a, a church pastor, actually, that uh, Paul met on his first missionary trip, and then he would join Paul on his later uh, trips with him. Paul, you, you can find his story in Acts, later part of it, and Paul actually writes two letters to him, which I want to read one of them to you. Uh, it's in 2 Timothy, and it's going to be chapter 1, if you're wanting to follow along, verse 5, and it's, uh, Paul's talking to little Timothy, and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. So Paul mentions here Tim's his sincere faith, his allegiance and love to God, something we're all hoping for our children or hopefully hoping for uh, one another. And he says that sincere faith that Timothy has has been shaped and brought to life by his mother and his grandmother. So why I find that interesting, at that time, women weren't, were, were considered unimportant. They, they weren't given the, the value and um, the significance that they're given to us today. So I can only imagine at the time when a world calls you insignificant that, that their efforts in, in shaping and molding little Tim probably seemed pretty insignificant to them. They had no idea that not only would they... Uh, help pass along their faith to him. But Tim would carry that faith not only just across the entire Roman Empire, but it would spread to every continent in the world, places they didn't even know that existed. So I want to, I say that to encourage you, like don't ever shortchange the impact that you can have on your children and, and the ripple effects of what you're doing in the lives of them. The second thing that I saw from that is that Tim's faith was shaped by a wider circle of his family because he mentions his grandmother. Now, many of you 
many of you in here are in that stage of life, and it's, I hear it's a great stage of life. You get to spoil your kids, but you also get the opportunity to help shape that faith just like Tim's mom did. So yes, hop your kids up on sugar and sweets and all kinds of things, but while you're at it, hop them up on Jesus before you send them home. And it's not just with our biological families. Paul continues in this in this letter, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, it says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and, be, and have become convinced of because you know from those from whom you've learned it. So those from whom he learned it obviously was his mom and his grandma and obviously Paul writing that, but it was his church family. See, during those times, to be a Jesus follower was to say Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Messiah, and it ostracized a lot of people in their communities. And so families were torn apart. Marriages were broken. Parents would disown their kids. Kids would disown their parents, all based on this decision. So what the local church became for these people that had lost families was their actual family to them. And it was the faith and love of his local church that helped shape little Timothy. And think about this. 2,000 years ago, this thing was written. For 2,000 years, that has been shaping the lives of people. And so you never know uh, what the investment in kids is going to do for you. So with that stage kind of set, I want to invite the stage a special guest, and that would be my beautiful wife, Michelle. Well, hey, babe, uh, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad to have you up here. Never got to share a message with you, so I'm excited for that. But maybe uh, before we get started, we just start with a couple like disclaimers. Uh, Certainly. Um, Huge. Huge disclaimer would be the fact that um, we've not done, it's not like we've done this for an extended amount of time. We're still, I want to still say we're kind of new at it. No? We're kind of new. I mean, yes. our oldest is 10. Like, I think okay. we're not perfect, right? Well, not perfect. I mean, we haven't lost any kids or we've managed to keep them alive, I'm, but it's certainly not perfect. You know, kind of trial by fire, right? <laughs> Most definitely. Yes. Yes. Okay. And honestly, I mean, we're up here because Pastor Eric asked us to do, and we, we have children. I mean, I even have evidence that we have uh, family right there. That, yes, I have three girls. That's why I do what I do. Try to look intimidating and big because, you know, I'm going to have to fend off uh, future suitors and that. So, yeah. So maybe we just start this with just kind of talking about how we became parents. So, like, obviously we're married. Uh, we've been married 11 plus years, almost yes. it'll be 12 in October. Mm-hmm. So woohoo for that. Woo-hoo. And uh, so, yeah, so we get married in that first year. Go. Uh, well, I, I, we had kind of talked about how this was going to go. And to be honest with you, I was looking for this profound moment where it had just hit me. And I'm like, all of a sudden, let's have kids. No, I, I don't really have that. All I know is that... Uh, all I know is that I had found the man that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, and um, I was super excited about that. And then my biological clock that I had, you know, on extended snooze, all of a sudden is ticking very large in, you know, in my ear. And so I kind of thought, well, maybe, maybe we should, maybe we should try. Maybe, maybe this might be a good idea. 
I thought maybe. Um, but one of the things that we were concerned, I was concerned about was that I was told that it might be difficult for me to get pregnant. And so I kind of like, well, let, let's just try and see how this works out and, um, and, and see what happens. Yeah. So honestly, I don't really have a good reason, like a good spiritual sounding reason. Matter of fact, I have the opposite. I, I don't know that I ever really wanted kids. I just knew I was excited about wanting you. So that's kind of how, <laughs> how it led to that. And so uh, maybe we just talk about like, okay, so we've decided that we're going to try and, and, and obviously we succeed and, you know, you're pregnant for nine months. And so we have that expectations of what maybe is going to happen versus the reality. Uh, you know... <clears throat> I had at least two copies, at least two copies of like what to expect when you're expecting. And to be honest with you, I probably opened and read the first two chapters and then I totally just got rid of the book because it just scared. And then the reality is sitting in and I'm like, I'm going to be a mom. This is, this is a big deal. This is going to completely and utterly change our life. And that was super scary. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was pretty ignorant and oblivious to much. I mean, most of our life, you know, young couple, you're, mar you're early in marriage. And so, I mean, we, you know, back when steaks were, but we had ribeyes every night, you know, we had a fridge stocked full of all kind of God ordained beverages for us to enjoy. And, and because we were newlyweds, we, you know, we had a frequent worship time uh, that we enjoyed together. I had no idea that I was getting into chicken nuggets and a fridge full of breast milk and frequent, my wife is tired and uninterrupted kind of sleep patterns. But that's kind of, that's kind of how we found ourselves. And because that was so awesome, we decided to have more kids, right? <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like I, uh, my, uh, it's just, you know, my, our first daughter, Aubrey, she was just so sweet and she was just such a good baby. You remember like she slept through the night. She just, you know, she was content with things, not a needy child. Like didn't have to hold her all the time. And she tricked us into thinking every other kid after that was going to be like that. But, but what I can say is going from one to two was a lot different. I mean, we were kind of ganged up on her and you could nap or I could nap or I could go out like two, then you're kind of man to man and it wasn't so bad. And then three, you're, you're doing that zone. And I don't know what happens after three. It's just complete chaos, kind of like we're dealing with now. But I, I vividly remember, okay, so we had Aubrey. Joey comes along two years later. And because you have two kids, you know, obviously mom's in the hospital with baby Joey. I got to go home with baby Abby. And I'm like, this is no big deal, right? You know, she loves me. She's a great kid. So I go home. We, you know, get her bathed. Put her, so I get her up in the morning and she's just, she's not, well, I, this is what I see. Yeah, she's just, she's not happy with dad. That once I could do no wrong and now I could do no right. And I just remember that face. And if I had a picture of my face, would have been exactly like that. Cause like, you know, I, I had to figure out, hey, it's not just my wife parenting, it's me parenting. And, and uh, yeah, we, we, uh, that was a good time. So yeah, so our kids are growing up. And uh, so it gets time to put Aubrey in school. So then we decided to get Aubrey uh, screened for preschool. And, I I found her quite brilliant. I thought she was going to just, just, you know, coast She would memorize stuff. Remember that? Oh, like she would memorize songs and like very early and yeah. Yeah. So we thought she was just going to coast through the screening, right? 
And then um, after, they told us that <clears throat> that she would probably need some further evaluation and some testing. And um, we started preschool. And I just remember this meeting so clearly. Um, <clears throat> we were told that uh, Aubrey was autistic, that they said she was somewhere on the spectrum. And I, I won't lie, I, I, I cried. Because all I, I didn't even know what that meant, but all I did know, instantaneously realized is that she's gonna struggle. And if you've had a kid or if you've seen a kid, the last thing you want for them is to struggle. Yeah. And uh, that was that was a that is seared in my memory. I oh, remember yeah. that day like it was yesterday. Yeah, I don't. Uh, um, I didn't have the categories to process it either. I, I I didn't even know what they were talking about, and you know, I remember just kind of a heavy shadow on there on my heart and on my mind and just thinking about you know the struggle and how our life's going to be and how we're going to be and I mean all the time she was a great kid so I don't know what we we're worried about but uh I remember my dad telling me he read it somewhere that the Iroquois Indians would consider kids with special needs um to have this unique window to what they would call the great spirit or or God, you know, who they're trying to describe and and that's what I've found to be true with with our daughter she just has a capacity, even though she's very literal, to um, be very tender-hearted to people and, and, and love um, love without reason. I mean, like a lot of times we we got to figure out, and she just loves freely to everyone. I, I you know, I, if anything, I hate the term special needs because, like, I mean, we're all special, right? And and but but, but yeah, her, her heart certainly amazes me, and I. Uh, you know, I, I want to brag on first for a little bit. Obviously, we we were attuned to that uh, cognitive disabilities are in our society, not just kids but adults, and and you know, so we do things like Night to Shine around here, and that's that's really cool, a big prom event for them to 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 let them celebrate and have a good time. But it's not just one night. You know, we we, we do training around here with with um, with some of our volunteers for the kids' ministry so they're able to, to know how to process and handle that. We have sensory rooms where they, if they need to go and stem and do those kind of things. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I think that's that's been and great. So, yeah, so obviously Aubrey, Joey found that out. Um, we had Emmy, uh, our third one, and then the doctor gave us some news. Um, I was told after Emmy that I was done. And it's different. I think it's a different feeling when you, when you make that decision for yourself. It's another thing when somebody tells you that you can't do something. Um, so there was definitely, a, it, I was sad. I was sad. I probably, I don't think I would have said, said I want more kids, but to be told that I can't, it was just different. It was just different. Did you think you lose some of your value because you were unable to have more? Or? I would say that, society places a lot of expectations, I think, on women. I mean, half the time you get asked as a woman, you know, when are you going to get married? Right. Or, you know, I, as a man too, I'm like, when are you going to get married? Are you going to, when, and then you get married and then it's like immediately right after that, when are you going to have, have kids? kids. Uh, you know, so does, 
do I feel that there's a little bit of an expectation from society that kind of been, that's placed on women about whether or not you have kids? Maybe. But do I believe, honestly, that we know, we know some fabulous women that, um, that are, our families are just, they just look different. I mean, we are maybe more of that traditional definition of what you might consider family, but families look and all shapes all, and sizes, all yeah, shapes all, and sizes, yeah. you know, you've got single parents, you've got blended families, you've got families that foster, you've got adoption. Um, but I don't in any way want to discount um, those women that can't or those women that decide to not have children, because I could just tell you, I have some fabulous women in my life and because of who they are, and because maybe they can't, maybe because they choose not to, they love my girls and my life would not be the same if they were not in my life. Oh, for sure. So, you know, they, I, there's remember, value. And remember seeing them even, you know, maybe uh, being a stepmom and how having kids really you know, embrace them just like their own or adoption. You know, we, we talked about that. Hey, if this is the end and God leads us to do that, you know, adoption. And there's plenty. I mean, that's a huge need. Uh, around here. I know a lot of, a lot of folks in the church do that kind of thing. We, we had a hope for the journey conference, I think last week for that to kind of help those families. So yeah, I mean, that's in a nutshell, that's it. So we had three kids and that came to the end. So maybe we just kind of move into some questions. Uh, I know around here, uh, we probably have some in attendance that are young and think about having kids someday, or I know (laughs) there's some people here maybe that are expecting. Um, so what would be just not the best piece of advice, but just one piece of advice you would give to uh, that group? Don't compare yourself. Um, you're going to get so much advice, but the one thing I'm going to probably tell you is that your journey, how you raise your children or how you are uh, influence a child's life, there's as long as you're loving on them, speaking truth in life, trying to instill good values. I'm like, as long as you're trying to do your best, you really can't, you really can't go wrong, I don't think. I'm like, as long as you are trying, then you know what, it, it, it's you. What works for you is gonna work for you. What works for one kid is gonna work for that kid. It's not necessarily gonna work for multiple, you know, yeah. the same family even, that's no gonna be No copy and paste, is that what you're saying? No, <laughs> no copy okay. and paste, no okay. copy and paste. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would say uh, for me, it was the idea of doing it right. I'm a perfectionist at heart, you know, and I remember Michelle, before we had Avi, signed us up for this class. You learned all these techniques and how to burp and all how to swaddle, which, hey, I got pretty good at the swaddling. You were very good at it. Yeah. But uh, somebody said to me, like, look, you know, I know you're worried about doing it right, but the, ki- the kid doesn't know the difference. And what they meant by that is like, you know, kids only recognize, are they being cared for and are they being loved? And I know to a lot of you out there that might be expecting, you know, worried about having all this stuff in the crib and, uh, you know, all these, all these gadgets and toys and monitors, not knowing that the kid's going to be sleeping in your bed probably for the first <laughs> year and a half. And, and because mom is exhausted, you're exhausted and you just sleep where you pass out. But like, really all you need is, uh, diapers and wipes and burp cloths, you know, and, uh, you know, everything else will kind of take care of itself. But yeah, love, love your, um, just provide love for them and care for them to the the best of your ability. So that'd be good. So how about this? We'll just kind of open it up. Just general 
parenting wisdom, I mean, wisdom that we learn by our mistakes, tips you have that you, maybe not the best ones, but just ones that you have you'd want to share? Um, it, once you have that child, I mean, they become your whole world. It becomes your only focus, and 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 rightfully so. That That's needed, that's necessary, and, and nobody's going to fault you for that. But even if you're a single parent, or if you're in a relationship, or just remembering even, you need to make sure that time and energy is not only invested in your child, but in the important relationships in your life. It, for us, it's like we needed to purposefully uh, take time for ourselves to reconnect, to make sure that we fill each other's love tanks so that we could, yeah. you know, pour into our children as well as pour into each other. That was just something very important that I would highly yeah. uh, mention. We're being great parents, but it started being not so great married couple, right? And we're just yeah. taking that time to, to date again. And, and yes, that, that helped immensely, I thought. So uh, just having a regular time. Uh, we did it once a month. They're, it's not legalistic. You pick. So I heard someone say they do it twice a month. That's awesome. You know, hook me up with your babysitter and maybe pay for it. <laughs> pay a pastor for babysitter. Uh, yeah, no, that'd be cool. I think uh, one for me, just practically speaking, and this is for the guys out there, it, it's not your wife's responsibility to do everything for that kid. You know, a lot of times guys... Uh, kind of do the guy thing and just let mom take care of it all. But, you know, a baby needs food, uh, needs to uh, baths, and needs all those things, and it's not your wife's job to do all that. I, I Society's getting better about those kind of roles, but, like, you, you know, you go through this change, your wife is exhausted, maybe she's working, I don't know what the situation is, but, like, you know, you made half of that thing's yours, you know. You can wipe a diaper, it's not going to kill you, you know. You can clean stuff, you can wash, bo- there's lots of ways to help. I recommend... Uh, couple I recommend is like, you know, bath times are great. Those are precious sweet times that like, I have so many fond memories of that. I love laying down at night with them and, and reading them a story. Uh, obviously, I'm the old man and sometimes I go to sleep with them in there. But like, they're just <laughs> easy ways to contribute, you know, and your wife will notice and appreciate that you're doing that. How about how about something else? Um, you got one more? The uh, one thing that's that we've brought up is this idea that you will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And my girls love music. And so we're on our way to school. And one thing I will do for them is we will listen to worship music on the way to school because I want want them to hear this message about that they're loved, that they're important, that they're a child of God, that they're loved beyond all measure. And I just want them to be filled with that as they go into their day and as they face their day, I want them to be, you know, given as much as possible, reinforce that, that whatever I can in order to best prepare them to kind of face the day. Yeah, absolutely. I think gratitude's like a muscle. And the more you exercise it, the more you see things to be unhappy about. And I think that's proven true, not just for our kids, but for us, right? Yeah. Like sometimes preaching to them that we're preaching to ourselves. So no, that's good stuff. I think the other thing, like if your goal in here is to like, uh, Timothy's, uh, uh, mother and grandmother is to pass on your faith. I think you got to start with just keeping your faith strong and healthy. I mean, you can't pass on something that you don't have. If you only have a Sunday only faith, you're going to pass a Sunday only faith on to your kids. So, you know, keep yourself strong. Watch, let your kids allow you, you, you know, let your kids see you handle conflict well. Let them see you pray, not just before a meal, but 
in the good times, in the bad times, before bed, you know, before they go off to school, you know, doing that thing that they're thankful for and, and just asking God to bless their day, bless their classes, bless things on their heart, uh, those kind of things. Uh, like honorable mention, if I have, well, I got to talk about because social media, social media world, like you just want to have conversations about that and expectations. And, and maybe this is old news, but we had watched a Joe Rogan podcast and they made up a profile, imaginary 13-year-old girl, and like within less than an hour, I forget, just tons of all these sites and guys and things trying to, you know, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Solicit. Like, so yeah, solicit her, you know. So so you want to have that and, and draw your own line. I'm not saying you're terrible if you give unaccess, but like we put parameters on things. They get so much TV time. We decided they're not having a phone until, well, we don't know when. They're just not having it now, you know. Like you, you need to have that. You need to be aware of the danger that exists in these things. And also model healthy media to your kids. Okay, so... Uh, they do say it takes a village to raise a kid, right? But obviously, we are the primary driving agents. We spend the most time with them. If, if our job is to disciple our kids, not like with the best way or the whole way, but just like what is one way you try to influence them uh, for Jesus? Or- well, on that car ride, it's, 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 a, it's quite the car ride to school every morning. But I'm going to tell you one of the things that I always tell them is like, I want you to do good, be good. If there's somewhere you can help, is there somewhere you can serve? I want you to be the light. Um, I want for, you know, I want them to be the church where you live, work, and play type Ooh. scenario. Yeah. Um, I think we've heard that somewhere before. Yeah, but it's just that idea that, you know, I want them to just do, I mean, I just want them to embody not only in their in their heads, but obviously in their actions. I want them to be able to think about the idea that it comes second nature to serve. That's good. Yeah, I think for me, uh, it's just realizing that it's not the church's job to disciple my kids. You know, it's our job. Like, you know, when our kids come home with a problem with their homework, we just don't tell them to figure it out or go ask their teacher. Like, we help them figure it out, right? right. Uh, maybe not the way their teacher does it, but we <laughs> we kind of do that. And, and I mentioned that, you know, a lot of people come and hoping that uh, Pastor Jackie, Pastor Logan, who are phenomenal and have phenomenal things here, uh, are, are going to take care of that the faith with their kids, but like reality is they just don't get that much time with them. And they're here to partner with you and, and to help you get resources and connected to the things you need. They got awesome events. I mean, they, they really do do a killer job with our kids and it's evident. Like we see the fruit in our kids, but, um, yeah, it's our job to do that. One of the ways that I primarily do that, it's a, it's a family verse of ours and we even got the motions the Proverbs 423, but above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from, from it. it. I think I messed up the motions, but like, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the thing is like often when we're talking with people, like, how are you doing? You know, what we're really like, even with our kids is like, you know, did you get your homework done? Did you brush your teeth? How was school? Like yada, yada, yada. It's a, the do, 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 but we never really are asking them how they are, you know? Mm. I mean, even people, we're not really doing that. And, and, and so what I do is just ask that a question and I don't do it all the time, but it, How's your heart? How are things going on in Shai? Who, is, who has made you angry? Has something happened to make you sad? Has someone broken a promise to you? Are you jealous 
about something? Is there anything that's making you anxious right now? Because obviously the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus says that murder starts out when you're angry. So if we can nip those things off, if we can make the condition of our inside better, uh, then it's better for all of us. And that's, that, that's a good question to ask anybody. Like, what, what, how's your heart, you know? And so that's been uh, a really impactful thing that we've done. Okay, last question. You ready? Ready. You've been doing pretty good. So Thanks. what's what's something that being a parent has taught you? Um, many, many things. But the one thing I probably would emphasize is the, how I communicate. Josh would tell you that I tend to over-explain. I like to use lots of words. And that doesn't necessarily work so well when you're talking to kids or if you're talking to someone who is autistic, such as my daughter. Um, it, clear and concise, straight and direct, you know, smaller, smaller, you know, shorter. It's when you say, you know, too, when, opportunities. and yeah. Most definitely. So I, I would like to think, and not only that, but I'm very conscious of what I'm saying and how that might be interpreted from some, by somebody else. So it, it's, it's a daily thing. Yeah. It's a daily thing. That's good. That's good. Uh, I think for me, you know, what something being a parent has taught me, um, they've really <laughs> enriched me in, in every way. Um, it's kind of hard to pick one, but uh, I mean, they really just helped me see God better, understand love fuller. Uh, I mean, it's increased, uh, uh, you know, I think the intimacy in our marriage. I, I love you more now than I did the, 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 the day we said I do. And, you know, like an example of that is, you know, I was a carpenter before I got into ministry, and so I'm not always comfortable up here on these big stages and talking. I get nervous, right? I mean, public speaking, it doesn't get nervous. And it's not that I don't know what I'm talking about. I just yeah, that's another sermon another time. But I remember the kids came in one time before I was getting ready to go preach. And Joey grabbed my hand. And it was all sweaty. He's like, Dad, why is your hand sweaty? And I'm like, well, I'm nervous, baby. Well, Daddy, why are you nervous? Like, well, I'm getting ready to go preach. And she's like, well, what, what's that mean? It's like, well, i got to talk to people about Jesus. And she's like, oh, Dad, you don't have to be nervous about that. And like, I don't know, just seeing the one I'm supposed to be teaching ends up being the one that's teaching me because, you know, that's, you know, daddy gets a job to talk about Jesus and how cool is that? And it just, yeah, it's, it's been awesome in more ways than we could describe in this short conversation, uh, what it means to be a parent. Well, I, there's so much that we could probably talk about. I mean, we could literally probably do a whole series. Um, and this is just literally just a snapshot and just a glimpse of what it is that we do. Um, again, what you do is going to be different than what we, but certainly, hopefully, maybe there's something that you might have taken away from some of the things that we do do. Yeah, do do. Yeah, gotcha. Do do. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed your time with us. Uh, look forward to uh, being here to speak with you again.